You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I am your host, Daniel Lee, or Photos by DLEE. So today we're going to be talking about are DSLR lenses still worth buying? And just, you know, the usual go over some personal updates and some news. So to get right into it, personal updates. So as I mentioned last podcast, I was about to get my second dose of Pfizer, which I now have. I'm fully vaccinated, running full 5G, so so fast you can't even catch me. Obviously, it's a joke. You know, some people don't get jokes anymore, but it is a joke. I surprisingly didn't have too many symptoms. So a lot of people I know got really sick, like at my work in my team, quite a few people, even my manager had to have the day off or even a few days off because they were that sick from the second dose. Funny enough, when I had my second dose, I had a sore arm pretty much instantly. My arm was pretty bad, but otherwise that was it. I felt a bit tired, more sluggish compared to usual. You know, like that kind of flu symptoms where you're lightheaded, body's heavy kind of thing. But otherwise it wasn't that bad. It was pretty much just that, which, you know, was really good. I'm happy with that. I didn't want to have too severe of issues. So I really wanted to go out and take photos last Tuesday because the weather was quite good, but you know, because I didn't feel too well and my arm was a bit funny, I didn't want to risk dropping my camera, you know, or dropping all my gear, that sort of stuff. So I thought I'd just take it easy. This week, it's meant to, you know, by the time this episode releases, would be raining quite a bit. So who knows if I go out to shoot, hopefully I will, but I just got my new Nintendo OLED Switch. So hoping to take some nice product shots of that, see how good I can make those. Otherwise, not sure when my RF 16mm is gonna be arriving. I really need to call the store I bought it from to see what the ETA on the release date. I know this B&H, B&H, which is obviously a different country, I said they're getting stock in on the 14th, so I'm hoping it's pretty similar here in Australia, but I also wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot later, so I'll just have to sort of wait and see. I did realize I didn't have a filter that was, well, filter adapter, which was small enough, which I think is 53 millimeters. Filter thread on both that and the RF 15mm. So, because of that, I'm gonna need to get an adapter. So, I've ordered that one. So, when it does come, you know, with a 16mm for something for cityscapes, you have to have filters, in my opinion, anyway. So, that was a must for me. Not an issue. Just quickly ordered that one. Otherwise, when it comes to what gear I'm gonna buy next, you know, because there's always a next. If you're a photographer and you say there's not a next gear you're planning on buying and you're a liar, no. Some people, you know, they control their gas really well, but there's always something, you know, you technically want on that wish list. Otherwise, you know, I don't know what I would get because I still really tempted by a 135mm. As you know, I love primes. A lot of the cityscapes I've shot with a telly was been around that 100 or so, 100mm focal length. So that's that there. And there's also a drone. I would love to get a drone because if you look at about it, Technically, my 100 to 400 can do 135 millimeters. Sure, it can't do it the same way. It's like 4.5 or f5 compared to f1.8. So it's completely different images, completely different uses. But at the same time, if I'm using it for cityscapes and that kind of stuff, it can definitely do that. But, you know, I could do portraits and a lot other with that 35, 135 millimeters. But at the same time, there's always, which is sort of similar to what the topic this week is, you know, should you still buy DSLR lenses, which the 135, Sigma Art is, because I don't think I go for the Canon one, which is also going to it in the topic, main topic. But yeah, the drone kind of seems like the better option for me, but it's like two grand, you know, and I think I can get the 135 for about 1300. I always take price into consideration as well, because, you know, I, 
like to shop a lot, but <laughs> we'll see how we go. I don't think I'm going to buy anything yet. I think I really need to just settle with the way my lens setup is now because I got 16, 35, 50, 85, 100 to 400. So I got a lot covered. At the most, I could see myself replacing current lenses. So say, for example, Sigma released the 85-14 Art DN lens on Canon RF. I would be very, very, very tempted to get that and replace it with my 85 F2. It sounds, I don't know, I really don't know if I would be happy doing it at the same time. I say I want F1.4, but that close focus on the 85 F2 just makes it too good. Maybe a 51.4 would be a better option for me or a 51.2 would be a better option for me rather than that because I feel like I need the close focus of the 85 F2 and I don't really do portraits anyway, so I don't see what the benefit of the 1.4 is. If I get back into street photography, 85.14 or 135 f1.8, those are a must for me. So I guess, you know, just got to wait and see what gets released. In a way, I think it's better waiting for a native RF lens to come out or at least something, you know, in RF mount, even if it's from a third party, mainly because I don't really need it. So the more you wait, the more the gas can settle down and the better off you'll be. Otherwise, that's it pretty much for my personal updates. There's nothing really more to discuss. So on to the news. So the first piece of news is something myself and I don't think anyone else really saw coming. So Canon announces a RF 5.2mm f2.8 dual fisheye lens. So Nikoshida had announced there was an unreleased lens to be announced soon for Canon. I know Canon rumors thought it would be a 35L for RF mount, with whether it's f1.2 or f1.4. But of course, you know, it wasn't that, it's this, which I don't think anyone expected it. So Canon has announced, you know, what they're saying is the first product for virtual reality capture, which in all honesty, I don't really know of any other, you know, Sony, Panasonic, Nikon. I don't think anyone's released anything for VR. Apparently this one is capable of enabling stereoscopic 3D 180 degree virtual reality VR shooting to a singular image sensor. So this lens will work on the RF system and will come with a firmware update to make it work and has a recommended headset as well. I couldn't see too much detail from it, but I think it's actually only for the R5. And, you know, Canon are hoping that with this, it's going to make the complexity of the virtual reality more production and more streamlined for both professionals and newcomers. The lens uses Canon's high-quality L-series optics that are engineered with an interpillary distance, the space between your eyes of 60 millimeters to deliver 3D imagery in VR, with what it calls natural parallax that closely resembles human vision. Vision. The lenses are capable of shooting with a 190 degree field of view captured from two separate optical systems, which it says is perfect for finishing 180 degree VR footage. So it has an electronically controlled aperture with a range of f2.8 down to f16. It's dust and water resistant, works just like a normal lens would, you know, on the RF mount, has a minimum focus distance of 20 centimeters, and it's built in gelatin filter holder, which is, I believe gelatin ones are the ones you can usually use for rear mount filter holders, stuff like your Samyang AF 14mm and that. And it's meant to be available December 2021 for 1999 US dollars, which is not cheap, but it's surprisingly cheap for what it does, especially since it's the first of its sort of kind. Keep in mind with Canon as well, they usually do, I don't know about in America, but here they generally introduce it higher, more expensive, and then drop the price down after few months once they made the most of all the early adopters like myself. As you know, I don't do VR, don't do video, none of that kind of stuff. In fact, I can't even play first person games because I get that dizzy and so much motion sickness. But regardless, this is something very different from Canon. 
You know, I, I do appreciate and like how they've tried to do something different with their RF lenses and just haven't made exact copies of the EF system. Like in reality, the EF, you know, if they did that, it wouldn't hurt because the EF lenses are great, which we'll discuss later. But at the same time, it is good that they do do something different. The next one is Nissi has launched the V7 100mm filter holder system. So this is the successor to their V6 system, which I actually own myself. Now, this new V7 100mm filter holder includes a new True Color NC circular polarizer. The holder itself accepts up to 300mm wide, 2mm thick filters along with the polarizer. So you may think, oh yeah, you're buying Nissi holder, you have to use Nissi filters, but I actually use all Hyder filters. As long as they fit those measurements, you know, 100 wide, 2mm thick, you're not going to have any issues. You probably wouldn't want to go any thinner. You probably want them to be as exactly two millimeters because if you do have them thinner there may be a gap which would let light in so it won't work as intended they do claim it has no vignetting at 16 millimeters on full frame camera cameras i believe they said the same about my v6 and to be honest i barely used it with a 16 millimeter lens so i use it on my trip to new zealand with my 16 to 35 gm which i believe didn't have any issues at all and after that trip after i got back from the trip i pretty much sold that lens Sold it a few weeks later for the 24GM, which was a beautiful lens, but I haven't actually used it on the 60mm lens. Once I get this RF 60mm, I can see if it does add any extra vignette. But you know, generally if you're using the filters, you're more than likely going to be stopped down to f5, 6, and f8, where natural vignetting from the lens is at a minimum. So it'll be fairly easy to tell if the holder actually adds any extra on. Apparently the holder is made of aviation grade aluminium with a single element processing performed by a CNC machine and a matte black frosted finish to minimize reflections. I'm glad that they still use metal because I know with some of the lens hoods they you know will put that felt inside the top lens hood to minimize reflections which is meant to help but I find it just attracts dust more than anything so I kind of don't like that way where they do it. Has a rotation wheel designed to rotate the filters, pretty much same as V6, but it does look like they change it as well as this the little clip they do to have it hold, held in place. This CPL is meant to prevent yellow casts, which are caused by the other older CPLs or of other brands. To be honest, I haven't noticed a yellow cast on mine. I do tend to shoot in order white balance. I don't really shoot in you know whatever white balance suits the scene. I will occasionally do it, but not often, mainly because I like to control all that myself in post. I'll, the one thing I don't mind adjusting, I don't like cropping in post. I try and avoid it as much as I can, aside from, you know, vertical photos to 4x5. I mainly like to do it, everything color work in post. So that's why I don't really care too much if the colors are really greatly off, because I'll adjust it anyway. So white lines have been actually added to help put the CPL on, because that is sort of an issue I had with my CPL getting it on sometimes. But yeah, apparently now you just line up the white line, stick it in, and it'll go on a lot easier. And the V7 kit comes with the 100mm filter holder, the True Color CPO, four adapter rings to the most popular wide angle lenses, which is 67, 72, 77, and 82mm, as well as a lens cap and a storage pouch. So the system is available immediately from Nissi for directly for $249. I believe that's US, but I'm not sure. If you're looking to get Square filter system, I honestly would rec I haven't tried this V7, but I have the V6 and it's honestly so good. I was always reluctant to spend that much on filters, like just on the holder. I always went for, there's a guy called the filter dude. He does Lee replica ones. And this stuff is honestly good, but it's not as good as this. Mainly because, you know, you pay a lot less for everything, but to buy a CPL on its own is honestly a few hundred to get like a decent one. 
whereas this one is the holder and the CPL. Pretty much, I reckon what you're doing is you're paying for both. You're paying for the CPL plus a little bit extra for the holder, but it, rather than other people like Lee who charge 100 or whatever for the holder, they just charge like no, next to nothing for it and pretty much charging you only for the CPL. Because, you know, in all honesty, even though it's well-made, it wouldn't be that expensive to make. But regardless, if you're looking at getting one, watch a few reviews if you need, but I would definitely say it's worth getting. The final news story is Tamron reveals some final detail details of the 35 to 150 F2 to F2.8 and the 28 to 75 F2.8. So Tamron has announced final pricing and availability details for both lenses. So for the 35 to 150, it's constructed of 21 elements and 15 groups which includes four low dispersion and three glass molded aspherical elements that are designed to provide superior optical performance throughout the zoom range. Tamron's XVD linear focus mechanism, which provides high speed, high precision, precision focusing with minimal noise. It has an October 28th release date for $1,899 US dollars. Also with the 28 to 75 G2, it retains the same compact size of the predecessor while incorporating a new and optical construction based on a design that it says has been revamped to enhance the image performance and is compatible with the latest model digital cameras that have increased resolution. So it's pretty much saying update resolution so it works with better bodies like the A1, A7R, 4, that kind of stuff. It's constructed of 17 elements in 15 groups and uses what Tamron says are two optimally arranged low dispersion and glass molded aspherical elements that are designed to suppress optical aberrations to the maximum degree possible. The lens uses Tamron's VXD linear focus mechanism for high-speed, accurate, and quiet autofocus performance that is twice as fast as its predecessor, and it will be available on October 28th as well for $899. I did own the original Tamron 28-75 for a short while when I shot Sony. It was an amazing lens. I only sold it because I wasn't using it because I bought it as a travel lens and I only travel like once every year or once every two years, if that. So this is pre-COVID. Even before COVID, I rarely traveled. So I felt like it was a bit of a waste because when I wasn't traveling, I preferred to use a 35 millimeter prime for everything. So I didn't see the point in having it sit around and lose value. It was a very nice lens and I'm sure the G2 is nothing but better. So if I still had the Sony kit and I was into zooms, I would definitely go for this. The 35 to 150, I don't think I would go for. It does look a bit larger, a bit heavier, but I'm just not into those big zooms, even though they're very convenient. And honestly, a lot of the time I could probably get a lot more done with them. And the variable aperture range is very small as well, which is good. But yeah, just not my type of thing, these super zoom kind of lenses. I do like how Tamron are sort of announcing their products and building up to it, just like a video game. You know, with a video game, you get your announcement, you get your trailer, like a and you get small development previews as it goes along, which is what Tamron's doing, building up sort of hype for it, which I like. I you know, want more camera manufacturers to be like video games. Like Nikon are doing that now. They just released a preview of the D9. So it'd be good to see what else comes of it. Now, this is, I'm not going to put a link to it, but it's more just, it's rumored as well. Because mainly the reason I'm not putting a link to it is because these rumors are so unreliable. But Sony Alpha rumors, heavy emphasis on the rumors, says the new 7200 f2.8 GM Mark II lens will be announced on October 13. So he claims multiple reliable sources says it will be 30% lighter than the Mark I, just around one kilo, and it will be 30% lighter. Okay, he put the same thing twice. So yeah, the original one was known to have quite poor quality control and not that great image quality, especially compared to like Canon and Nikon comparis competitive lenses. So 
It'll be interesting to see what they can do with that, especially with the Canon f2.8 lens. The a7 Mark IV is also rumored to be announced soon. So the rumored specs, according to him, is a launch date or announcement date at least of October 21st, if the chip supply permits. Obviously, you can just say this camera is coming out next week, depending on the chip supply. And if it doesn't come out, rather than say your rumor was wrong, it was a chip supply. But there's also a newly developed 33 megapixel sensor, which is quite interesting. Five, 15 stops of dynamic range, same as what the a7 III had and every other Sony body. They all say 15 stops of dynamic range in their marketing. 3.69 million dot EVF and LCD is improved to 1.4 million dot. That is one of the main issues I had with my old a7 Mark III was the quality of the EVF and the rear screen. It's supposedly meant to be a fully articulating LCD screen, which is good to see. Most of the rest of the specs of video, so unimportant. 5.5 stops of IBIS, meant to have the same body and heatsink design as the A7 Mark III, and UHS2 UHS SD cards and CF Express, probably the type, I think it's A or B, the same as the A7S, I believe, and there's no confirmation on price. Menus are meant to be the same, but supposedly be around $24.99, so the same as the Canon EOS R6. Would I be, you know, gear envy and gear lust over this? Maybe. I'm not going to lie. To be honest, like, the main things that I love about my Canon R6 is the fully articulating screen, the EVF, and the bulb timer. If it doesn't have the bulb timer on the Sony a7 IV, which I don't think they do, they don't even have it on the A1 as far as I know, that would be a huge deal breaker for me. I've gotten so used to it now, it's something that I must have on a camera. The main thing that I miss about Sony cameras, I like my R6 better in pretty much everything. The only thing I miss, not so much miss, is third-party lenses. Third, or even The lenses, honestly, on Sony have gotten pretty good. Like the 35GM, I would love. The 135GM, I would love. Sigma even have their 3514DN lens, their Sigma 8514DN. That one's a huge one for me. If all these lenses come to Canon RF, the third-party ones, then that loses a massive, massive um, advantage for Sony. I still think that, you know, you, no one knows why they haven't come to Canon Nikon. I still think that Sony are paying to not have it there. In video games, a lot of developers will pay for ex uh, exclusivity. You'll find that, so, what was that game? Grand Theft Auto, Episodes of Liberty Cities. Stories from Liberty City, something like that. So that was DLC that came out after GTA 4. Microsoft actually paid like a ton of money just to have that exclusively on Microsoft, you know, PC and Xbox Live only for like a year. I personally think that could be two factors. Number one, because Canon don't share their AF algorithm, neither do Nikon. It's a lot harder for them to get the, make these lenses work on their systems. And number two, I reckon Sony probably paid money to Tamron and that, especially since they partly own them, to have all their lenses exclusive on Sony for a time being. Because once those third-party lenses come out, it would change a lot of stuff. Especially if Canon come out with that rumored 899 full-frame camera, the most budget full-frame camera to date, that would make a big difference, honestly. That plus third-party lenses, it'll attract a lot of people. Regardless, it's all speculation and we'll see in time, you know, what's going to happen in regards to that. Well, that's it for the news. Now onto the main topic. So are EF lenses or, you know, DSLR lenses still worth buying? So there's a lot of people out there who still own FX for Nikon and DX Nikon lenses, as well as Canon EF and EFS lenses. There's obviously, you know, DSLRs aren't completely dead yet. Some people say mirrorless is the future, but it's not the future. Mirrorless is the present. DSLRs are the past. Sorry, it's fact. If you don't believe me, you know, can't look it up. Canon, Nikon, they're both focusing on mirrorless now. In fact, Canon have said they're pretty much done with 
making EF lenses unless there's massive demand for a particular one, which I don't see there being. Nikon have, you know, their limited funds, they even said they need to focus down on mirrorless as well. So, you know, the chances of them making more are not that great. Obviously, some of these EF and FX lenses have been released not too long ago. Like I think it was the Canon EF 70-200 Mark III f2.8 lens, that one, or is it f4, I can't remember, came out just a few years ago. It's not that old. I think the same with Nikon. I don't think the 105 f1.4 was that old, but I don't shoot Nikon, never have, so I don't know their lenses as well. I know them basically, but not how new they are. I probably know more about the Z mount than I do about their older FX mount. Regardless, it will be a while sort of thing, you know, till we get to see more in this regard. You know, when it comes to native Z mount lenses and RF lenses, there's still aren't as many available as there are for DSLRs for Nikon and Canon. Obviously, that's because they were doing DSLRs for a lot longer. Those mounts are a lot older, so they had more time to flush it out. You know, Canon has been catching up a lot faster in terms of their RF lens range. They're obviously not as big as their EF lens range because that lens range is massive. But, you know, sometimes the one you may want or need in your new mirrorless mount isn't available. So it brings the question of, are DSL lenses still worth buying? So that's what I thought I'd just sort of discuss a bit. So if you're someone that owns a mirrorless camera or looking to buy a mirrorless camera soon, and you're trying to decide, should you get rid of all your EF lenses and buy new, you know, mirrorless versions in Z or FE, uh, Z or sorry, RF mount. It's something you may need to decide if you already got, say, a mirrorless body and you've been using them with the adapter, then you may, you know, not too sure whether you should just be selling them and replacing them or keep using them. There's a lot of sort of different scenarios out there. One thing to keep in mind is if you already have a mirrorless body and you're just wondering how these lenses will perform on your mirrorless body compared to your DSLR, say strong majority of the time, almost every time, the DSLR lens will perform better on a mirrorless body than it will on a DSLR. That's mainly due to the mirror, miscalculation of focus. You'll find, I honestly always thought this, but I personally think a lot of the DSLR lenses, both on Nikon and Canon, were a lot sharper than what they got credit for. The main issue with them was focus. That misfocus all the time made a lens look a lot softer than it was, especially if it was notorious for having bad focus. Yet when you put on a mirrorless body, all of a sudden it's so much sharper. It's not because it's actually sharper or the mirrorless body might be resolving more. It's just because focus is hitting better. And, you know, generally in terms of autofocus and all that kind of stuff, they do perform better because Nikon's, I think it's F to Z adapter and Canon's RF to EF adapter, they're made by Canon and Nikon. It's not some third party like Metabones or Photodeox you know, a Sigma making this adapter trying to figure out both AF. It's actually that company that knows the AF algorithm, knows everything, making the adapter. That's why it works like native. So that's not an issue there. Now, the one thing I would look at when you're looking at if you're worth buying a DSLR lens would be the age of that DSLR lens. So it may seem strange to look at the age, but obviously how old the design is, is how, in my theory, sometimes how likely it could be to get an RF version. You never know though, because if you look at Canon, for example, they replaced their 50L quite a few times, but the 51.4 is still like an early 90s design and it's a very poor outdated design too with a, you know, its own issues. So that's not always like a clear indication with it. And sometimes the way the mirrorless cameras work, their focus doesn't work as well with the older motors as well and can burn them out a lot faster. So that is another thing to keep in mind when you're looking at that. As I mentioned, the Canon EF 50mm f1.4. Now that is known to be a notoriously bad lens when it comes to autofocus motor. 
even just using it on a DSLR, the motor is known to fail quite often. So if you get it on something like a mirrorless camera that's known for more tracking and that can actually burn out a lot faster. So that's one thing why I mentioned the age of the DSLR design. If it was just designed, you know, like that 70 to 200 or whatever, 2.8 Canon Mark III, or the Sigma 105 1.4, it's probably safer of not being replaced as soon. And the design is a bit more modern. So, you know, you know, you're probably going to get pretty good optics and you wouldn't gain as much on a mirrorless version. That leads into the other point of if it's likely to be replaced soon. So, you know, there's lots of rumored RF and Z mount lenses. So, for example, if I wanted a 35mm f1.4 or a 35mm in general on Canon, I prefer the f1.4. I know that the RF 35.14 is rumored and it's one of the staple primes, you know, like 35, 50, 85. They're the main film, uh, prime focal length. So I know it might just be worth waiting out a bit longer rather than buying the EF35L2, which is in its own right, a really great lens. If anything, if you really needed to buy one, I would probably say get something like the Sigma 35mm F1.4R in EF mount rather than the L. Even though the L is honestly the better lens, which has been proven in reviews, sharpness, rendering, autofocus, but it's a lot more expensive as well. And because, you know, it's an older lens, I feel like you could probably sell the Sigma a lot easier compared to the Canon, maybe. You know, third-party lenses don't hold their value as well, but they're a lot easier, you know, less of a loss if you can't sell it as easy once a new 35mm comes out. And the fact is, once a new version comes out, you will probably be find it harder and lose value on that new one, on your old one, sorry. So say Canon where you own the 16-35 F4L IS on Canon. Keep in mind, I keep using Canon lenses because I know their lens line up a lot better compared to Nikon. But, you know, say you got that. Now, if you were to have that lens, you know, whatever it's selling for, then a new version comes out, which is around the same price as the DSLR version, the EF version. It'll be a lot harder to sell that EF version because if you got the mirrorless camera, why would you want to buy the EF version when you could buy the brand new one for nearly the same price? It's the same for bodies. A lot of people think it's better, I've mentioned before, you know, to keep the body as long as possible to save money. But you actually save money by upgrading regularly because if you sell it before, just before the new one comes out, whether it be a lens or a body, you can get better resale value. Once you get better resale value, then you get the next body cheaper, you know? So it works out a lot better. So say, for example, you know, I buy a Canon R6 for four grand AUD and it stays steadily at that price. If I keep it, you know, and the new one comes out, say the R6 Mark II comes out and I wait a year to get that or even the R6 Mark III, by the time that comes out, the value would have dropped like crazy. I could probably only get like maybe two grand or less for the original R6. Whereas if I sell it just before the new one comes out, some people are slow to react with that. So I could honestly probably make at least minimum three grand, probably three and a half off that if I keep it in really good condition. So when I buy the new body, I'm only paying 500. It works out really well doing it that way, assuming the new body you know, stays in that same price range of four grand, which they usually do. They don't change that much. It's all a matter of just buy and sell, like knowing when to buy and when to sell. The same goes for lenses and bodies. So always make the best of your resale value. So if it's likely to be replaced soon, I wouldn't buy the lens if you haven't already bought it. If you already own it and you're thinking of buying a new DSLR lens, maybe just wait and get the mirrorless one. And the other last one is just any alternatives that could work similar. So say, for example, trying to think of a, you know, I'll just use Sony, for example. So say you have a 15 millimeter lens and you're using your Canon EF 15mm f1.4 on your Sony body with an adapter, for example. And you don't really want to, Sony, just hypothetically, Sony didn't have a 15mm that you liked. 
but you love the 55 millimeter sort of thing. You could just go for the 55 millimeter or maybe even the Zeiss 40 millimeter f2 close focus lens. Like you could just see if there's a similar focal length to what you want that could give you a very similar field of view, very similar results, but maybe, you know, just that slight different focal length. That's another option you could do, you know, third party look at those kind of ones. If you don't mind manual focus, look for a manual focus lens. Like the Argus, I think it was that Lauer Argus 0, F0.95 35 millimeter lens that came out recently. The rendering on that thing is beautiful. Like you don't mind all the fo- a manual focus since, you know, focus peaking with a mirrorless camera, you could go for that. A lot of different options out there for you. It's just more whether or not EF lenses are worth buying really comes down to you. Like, you know, you never, ever know. So when I first got my, I'll tell this story, then we'll be probably that's it for this episode. But in relation to this topic, when I first got my R6, I made the decision to get the Tamron 100 to 400, mainly because I didn't think I could get another 100 to 400 for that cheap on the Canon RF mount anytime soon, at least, especially from Canon or even from third party. So that's why I made the choice to get that one. Now, is that true? Pretty much, but I've been using it for a long time. But at the same time, now Canon have announced their 100 to 400. This lens coming out is a slower lens, but it's half the size and half the weight. And it's actually around the same cost, maybe even a little bit cheaper, depending on, you know, how much they want to charge for it. So you never know, you can't really predict it. You just sometimes have to take the risk, you know, if it's going to be cheaper or not, you never know if there's going to be another alternative. You just have to look at what's available right now, what options you have and if it's worth it, you know. For anything, you know, I want like a 135 lens. There's nothing available just yet, but I know if something comes out, it would be very expensive and well without my budget in terms of native Canon. That's why I wouldn't mind getting the Sigma 135 EF lens, but at the same time, I have to keep in mind, it will be harder to sell later on, for sure. Especially if Sigma do an updated DN version. So it's all just, yeah all guessing game, you never know. So it's really just up to you on what you feel comfortable with and what you spend your money on. Otherwise, that brings this episode to a conclusion. Time to go probably take photos of my Switch or even just play with it for a bit. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe if you did, it would be great. Also, you can suggest topics. There's a link in the show notes. I'll try to cover anything. Gear versus gear, I can only do if I've owned those lenses. I would not discuss, you know, like when the new lens or new body comes out, I don't do an impressions video because I haven't touched the body. I have no clue. Happy to, you know, talk about my experience with any gear I have had, any other kind of topics I can try and do, anything non, anything related to video. I've had people ask me about video before. I can't do anything video. I don't do video. Don't know anything about it. Frankly, kind of not interested in it. I appreciate video, but it's just something I myself am not interested in doing. Like if I see a good video, I really like watching it. Like there's a guy, I think his name Devin Supertramp or something like that. He does amazing videos. And it's funny as well because with his videos, you know, people complain this camera doesn't have 10 bit, 422, it's useless, heavy crop. But he used stuff like the EOS R with no issues and loved it. So it shows, you know, and he actually makes a lot of money, I believe, because he shuts streets down for his filming. He does big productions with his stuff. So it's not like he's just some guy filming his kid's soccer game that needs 8K, no overheating. 422, 10-bit, 20 mega, 20 stops of dynamic. You know, it's just ridiculous some stuff people want from like a consumer camera. But will I ever try video? Maybe, who knows? Maybe one day in the future, I've been tempted to give it a try just so I can say I can do it. But at the same time, it's just not interesting to me. Like I find still photography. I just love the challenge of still photography. Otherwise, that's it. So yeah, head over to thephotographyenthusiast.com for reviews, tutorials, not many, but our previous podcast episodes. Otherwise, you can follow me at photosbydlwe.com. 
on Twitter, I'm photos by DOWE as well. So that's just pure photography. You won't see any wrestling or gaming or whatever stuff on there anymore. Just photography. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. See you again in a fortnight. See ya.